0: Welcome to American Riviera Banks Regional Pulse. This is Michelle Martinich, Chief Financial and Administrative Officer. Today I'm here with my friend Linda Tanner, who is the president and CEO at VNA Health. We might have previously known VNA Health as VNHC for the many, many years that I sat on the board. So Linda, can you tell us a little bit about VNA Health?
1: Yeah, thanks, Michelle. Um, VNA Health, we were visiting nurse and hospice care of Santa Barbara. We've been in the community since 1908. I'm always very proud to tell people that about a group of 13 women got together and started us in 1908. Very philanthropic, very futuristic women. And I bet if they could come back today, they'd be really excited to still see us. Our original name was VNA. We um, believe that we were the third VNA in California. Wow. And um, so, In the 1990s we changed our name to visiting nurse and hospice care and as many of you may know in our community we also have hospice of Santa Barbara so over all those years there's been a lot of name confusion even from our physician providers they get confused so we were visiting nurse and hospice care of Santa Barbara and then hospice of Santa Barbara so with that Uh, And also with the idea with hospice in our name, sometimes people that were coming on for other services, such as home health, they found that a little bit off-putting because as soon as they heard our name visiting nurse and hospice care, they were like, I don't want a hospice. I'm not at end of life. So we went on a two-year journey where we explored with the community through focus groups, individual interviews, um, and all kinds of other information to determine if it would be good if we changed our name. Kind of as we enter the 2020 century here, or, or decade, I guess I should say. And um, so we decided to move forward along with our board. And it was, as I said, a two-year journey. And we're very excited about our new name, VNA Health, uh, about our new logo colors. We're kind of. Um, more, more contemporary and modern, and under that VNA health umbrella, we can expand into many different ways in the future, depending upon where we go. But currently, right now, we're focused on home health and hospice care.
0: There's so much to do in the community. There's so much to do for our aging population. There's so much to educate us all about, um, which is. I'm glad we have this time to meet and to share some of this information. It is a whole other language to understand the different services and the different words that are used. And I think the more that you understand, the better conversations you can have with your family and your caregivers. So maybe let's start with clearing up some confusion on the difference between home health, hospice, um, in-home care, um, care outside your home, um, those sort of things I think would really help help our listeners to understand how to have those conversations.
1: Great. So it is confusing. And um, I would say that home health is, is for you've been in the hospital, uh, you're coming home, maybe you have a new hip, or maybe you've had some kind of a cardiac event. But we're there to get you well. So we're working on you know managing your medications, changing your dressings, doing some rehab therapy with you, some physical therapy or occupational therapy we want to get you well, or we want to stop your progression of um, not getting well. That's what home health is focused on. It's 60-day episodes, usually, um, and then uh, it's covered by Medicare, mostly, and uh, also private insurance will cover it. Hospice is a bit different. Hospice is about end-of-life care. Um, The physician will certify that to his best guess, you have six months or less to live, and it's about quality versus quantity. So if you've come on, if you're going on hospice, then that means that you're not seeking active treatment, but that you really want to enjoy your last months uh, with your family, uh, having great conversations. We surround you with a team. Our team consists of uh, physician, nurses, spiritual care uh, providers, social workers, home health aides, um, and they will surround the patient and family. So the family is actually the unit of care. And then afterwards, there's a year worth of bereavement services that that can be accessed. And we also have a volunteer program. So um, hospice is different in that it's about the quality. And home health is more about trying to get you well and being independent and safe at home.
0: I think that, for me, was the journey being part of this organization and sitting on their board was to take that fear out of hospice, out of death, and to understand that it's a journey and that it can be something beautiful and it can be an experience that, that everyone um, everyone experiences it, right? We're not going to be able to avoid that in the end. So to make it into something that um, is part of your journey instead of something to be feared was very valuable for me. And um, I think it's part of our culture that's still learning to embrace that. Other cultures embrace it.
1: It's. The most common comment that we get uh, from family members um, after experiencing hospice is, I wish we would have accessed it sooner. So that's one of the problems is um, our, our, across the country, people come on too late, so we're not able to do the great work that, that can be done. Um, but over and over we hear, I wish I would have accessed it sooner.
0: And sometimes it actually does extend the, the period of time.
1: Yeah, when I say that a physician's best guess is six months or less, patients can be in hospice for a year, a year and a half, and sometimes they graduate, and we actually actually discharge them because they actually do improve and get better, and that's a really good thing. Even though they're very sad to see us go, we always say this is a good thing, and if you get discharged from hospice, you can always come back.
0: That caregiving role is so challenging, and as we see the The demographics getting older, we see the burden on the healthy partner um, in addition to the the partner who maybe is dealing with the health issue. So um, how can you guys help with that
1: burden? Well, I think that it's really important. um, The caregiving burden is real. It's a a lot of work. It's stressful. Uh, It's not something everybody signed up for, uh, but it is very needed. So I think it's very important that the caregivers uh, make time to take care of themselves with the use of family and friends, uh, take breaks, get away. Uh, if you can afford it, of course, you can hire paid caregivers. If you're on hospice, we have volunteers that will come in and sit with your loved ones so that you can take a break, uh, whether it's to go to the grocery store or go out and get a massage, whatever speaks to you. But it is so important that caregivers get that break. Also on hospice, um, there's, there's something called respite. And respite services are where, uh, for up to five days, we can place the patient somewhere so that you can have five days of break.
0: So, people are very hesitant to go to a hospital or a nursing home or a care facility. A lot of people would rather stay at home. Are those options?
1: Absolutely, those are where we provide most of our services. Is in the home, um, but I will also I would like to also say that we consider home wherever you live. So. Um, most people don't consider the hospital home ever, which is, they always, they, they love that we have a great hospital and great care here in Santa Barbara, but they do want to go home. But some people's home is in a skilled nursing facility or in a boarding care, and so we also provide services there because we consider that your home. Additionally, we have, um, We have a facility called Serenity House which is for end-of-life care. So sometimes you're at home and you need hospice, but for a myriad of reasons you can't stay home. Sometimes you don't have a caregiver and you need more help. Sometimes your caregiver has health issues or develops health issues and can no longer take care of you. Sometimes uh, your pain is out of control and you need better management. So we have an 18-bed facility called Serenity House where we call that your home while you're there. And um, you can come up there and receive hospice services. We have physician services up there, 24-hour nursing care, um, aids. It's a lovely facility. Uh, but the, And we love that we have that for our community. But our primary place that we serve patients is in the home.
0: The views at Serenity House are beautiful. Um, we are so lucky to have that space in our community that we can serve. The patients, the family—it really is a whole family. Um, as you know, I had a opportunity to help someone have their final journey be there and to watch the transition from her family and her, and let that whole journey be something that they could remember in a positive way instead of um, some of the fear that can come up. We are so lucky in our community to have Vienn Health and Serenity House and the support of the community to be able to offer this service. Uh, what are some other tips? for talking to your family or the, um, the person you're caring for, maybe the family member that's ill, how can we help them through this transition?
1: Um, uh, well, I, I think it's a matter of um, family members being comfortable with the transition also. I think that they can lend a lot of uh, comfort and support if they're comfortable with it. And the word hospice is a very scary word when people hear that word. We also offer palliative care services in the home, and so sometimes it's 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 appropriate and easier to, for people to transition to palliative care. And then, as as the disease or condition progresses, they can look at hospice if it's appropriate. Um, palliative care is. Uh, doesn't have any time frame on it. It doesn't mean that you're at end of life if you're on palliative care. It just means that you have you need some symptom management. maybe you've had a new disease and you're just completely have, don't know where to turn and what to do. Uh, some pain and symptom control, nausea, those things. And we will uh, have, we have a, a team that goes in and helps to manage that and also you know helps with advanced care directives and those things that you should be thinking about.
0: That team's phenomenal. That team can do everything from massages to music therapy to animal therapy, um, chaplains. Aromatherapy. And skilled caregivers who can deal with it. Um, It is a a little bit like going to a day spa. It's quite, a a, once again, a gift and helps with that easing of the mind and the body to make the next decisions. So um, it is definitely not something to be feared, but um, the unknown can always be a little daunting. So the more we educate, the more we talk. I know we have to do that with our doctors too. Doctors are in the in the business of healing, and it can be really hard for the doctors to admit that maybe the treatment isn't going the way it wants, so, um, or everybody hoped. So I think, once again, that open dialogue, that conversation, that willingness to talk, to maybe be the first one to ask the question if you're struggling with a treatment, I've found that that's
1: helpful. And, and, hard. and I think, Michelle, that um, it, it many times takes more than one conversation. So it, it's just an ongoing dialogue. And I think one of the f- great places to start is with an advanced care directive. Because I think as you um, think about an advanced care directive and what do you want, it, it brings up that conversation, what do you want? And I think your loved ones need to understand that because they may be the ones in control. And they, they're much more comfortable when they know it's what you want that they're doing.
0: How can I um, go about setting up an advanced care directive or get more information?
1: Well, we have in in Santa Barbara, we have the Alliance for Living and Dying, and they have focused very strongly on advanced care directives. So you can certainly go on the web and look up their phone number. You can also call our offices at 805-965-5555, and we can get you in touch with them. Also, Cottage Health, you can go on their website, and they actually have the advanced care directive on their website, and you can download it. And so there's many ways any healthcare provider here in town can also get you the form.
0: And then they can attach it to your medical records. Yes. Most, most places can now.
1: Well, you can take it into Cottage and, and they will scan it into your medical records. So if you ever need to be in the hospital, they have your advance care directive, which is really important. And it's important also to make sure that your loved ones know where you keep it.
0: Absolutely. I know we've done that in our house and with my parents and with my husband and I and had some of those conversations and and it is an interesting experience and to start talking about those and, and to make it into a conversation instead of a taboo topic. Um, it definitely opens doors and open eyes and helps you understand each other too. It's, it's quite an experience. So yeah, I encourage everyone to go about doing that and review them. They change and your life changes and your wishes might change too. So um, if you haven't looked at yours, if you have one and you haven't looked at it in three or four or five years you might want to open it up and have the conversation. There might be new people in your life that need to know what your wishes are.
1: And, and the time, really, to do an advanced care directive is when you're feeling good, like when you're healthy. So you can really think about it, not when you're ill. So I would really encourage everyone out there to get an advanced care health directive in place.
0: And they can be very
1: simple. Very simple. Very simple. Just as, What are your wishes?
0: What else should we know about, Linda, about um, the services that VNA Health provides, or um, ways to, to think about um, how we're living our lives, or what we should be
1: doing? So I think um, our services are primarily home health, hospice, and palliative care, and then our inpatient unit. And I I want everyone to realize that once you're on Medicare, home health and hospice are covered services. um, So that I think that's important. Uh, Palliative care is is a service that we don't charge for. So that's also, it is covered by a couple of our insurance providers, but overall that's also something that you can access. Most of our services do require a physician's order, so you can always call us and we'll help you through it, but also talk with your physician, and they know how to make a referral and what's appropriate. So, um, Serenity House, um, you, you're on, you usually are coming on to hospice. And we do raise money in the community, so we are a nonprofit. And we do pretty well raising money, but the majority of our uh, donated funds do go for patients at Serenity House so that we don't ever want to have to turn someone away at end of life because they can't pay. So we do a lot of donate, we use a lot of donated dollars there to keep people.
0: Yeah, and we are, once okay. again, so fortunate to have that that facility and these services and we do thank the community for their support because these are um, costly and as we all know the reimbursements for Medicare and Medi-Cal and health insurance do change a lot. There are services that aren't covered, but we know that they're valuable to take care of our community and the people in our community. So if you need things to be safe in the home, you should have those conversations, handrails in the shower. Uh, we would rather help you with a handrail in the shower than to help you rehab from a hip injury. Uh, we'd like you to stay healthy, too. So those small things, a uh, $20 handbar could make the difference from a broken hip or something much worse. So think about those things, I would say, as you're walking through your house and ways that, that we can help in those ways. Um, we do have the loan closet.
1: Oh, the loan closet. Thank you, Michelle. I should never forget that. So. <laughs> Uh, we started the Loan Closet in the very early 50s. Um, Thomas Stork, who was, uh, owned the newspaper at the time, uh, had some kind of a, an event where he needed uh, a wheelchair and walker. And back then, Medicare did not cover those things. There was no Medicare. And so he came to us with his equipment when he was done with it and said, I want you to start a Loan Closet for this community. He gave us the equipment and a check. And we have ran a Loan Closet here ever since. So in fact, we're remodeling it now, making it even a little bit bigger than what it is. Realizing we need more space, we um, staff it. It usually takes a couple people to staff it. We have it here. We also have uh, equipment up in Solvang where we have an office. And um, it really is a community benefit that uh, everyone, every socioeconomic level uses across the uh, Santa Barbara area and our um, valley.
0: I love the Loan Closet because of its convenience, it's often the first experience that people have with VNA health. And I also like it from a sustainability standpoint. Do we really need to have more crutches and wheelchairs and walkers out here, or can we just share them all? Um, so I think it's... Um, in this, this time where we're thinking about how to use our resources well and be sustainable, I think the Loan Closet really is a great example of a very long-standing that fills a need and um, takes care of us in so many ways. So that is often the first experience. I broke my foot. I need one of those walkers. I need crutches. And the Loan Closet tends to be faster and more accessible than a, than a provider. So um, that is a great tool. And um,
1: it truly is a gift to Santa Barbara, the loan closet. Um, and we, we love operating it and being able to do that. And
0: you do serve other areas, obviously. We There's offices up in San Inez, so we're off of the whole valley.
1: We have offices in San y- an office in the Solvang area to serve Sa- the San Inez Valley. We also serve Lompoc. Um, we serve, um, we are in the process, in the next month or two, we're going to be opening a drop site in Carpinteria. So that will be, just because of the traffic uh, congestion and things, I think that'll make it easier for some of our staff that live down south uh, to be able to come there. So that's in process as we speak.
0: Maybe some counseling services for the traffic in Carpentry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So And the other service I want to make sure everyone uh, realizes we have is bereavement. So we offer bereavement to our um, hospice families, but we also offer it to anyone in the community. So anyone can act that's sustained a loss of any kind can um, access our bereavement services um, an example that where we did quite a bit of bereavement was after the mudslide those victims they lost their homes their loved ones their belongings their pets any of those things so they, they utilized our bereavement services um, there was a story one day of a lady walking by our office and she had lost her husband um, and she saw, her, uh, she saw visiting nurse in hospice care, and she was like, oh my gosh, and she just she walked in, and we were able to get her in bereavement and really help her. So um, we have those services, and they really, about 50% of our bereavement is for community members, not just people that have been in a hospice.
0: That's really a great, great service that is so valuable in that healing process. Linda, you talked a little bit about insurance and coverage, but um, there's a gap and there's often people that don't have insurance and uh, maybe don't have a caregiver. We see this often that people live here and maybe know their families nearby, or maybe they're estranged from their family, or the family's busy. They're living their own lives. And um, one of the missions of VNA Health is to um, always provide the service wherever it's needed, regardless of someone's ability to pay. Um, tell us a little bit about how the community helps
1: and some of the. The fundraising? Yeah, thanks, Michelle. That's a really important part of, of who we are in this community. So we have a couple signature fundraising events every year. We have our Mother's Day luncheon, which is on the Friday before Mother's Day, where we, where we honor a, um, a living mom and a deceased mom. Um, and that's where we raise money, again, for our charitable mission. Prior to that event, we have a men's night where the men get together to support moms. And so that really uh, helps support Mother's Day. And with the money we raise from them, anything donated at Mother's Day is a complete donation because they cover the cost of the event and a little more.
0: It's an event I always have to bring my tissue to. It's always a tearjerker, but it's so beautiful. It's a beautiful beautiful
1: event. Um, And then uh, we have uh, our regatta, which is in September, the first weekend of September usually. And um, that's where the Yacht Club hosts that. Uh, and we, they, the proceeds go to visiting VNA Health, and uh, again, those are two signature events. But our primary way that we raise money is from those that we serve and from our community. So at the end of the year is our largest uh, fundraising because people send in checks. They send in checks uh, thanking us for the care that we provided, and that's really important to what we do because we do bill Medicare or Medi-Cal, uh, a few insurances. But there are services that are not covered. So if you're unable to pay for whatever reason, uh, you don't have the resources for our services, we have the ability to still provide them. And I am super proud of that. And that's what's really kept me here at this organization is that it's all about the patient and what they need, not about the payment source. So I'm very proud to say that we through our community, it's the community. And I always tell our staff, it's them, that they raise the money because it's the care and the services that they provide in such a loving and comforting way that gets us the donations.
0: It is so true, it's so much about the staff. And I believe as a board member that when we would have staff come in and tell us stories, all of us realized these were angels, these are people with callings, these aren't just somebody doing a job. We would hear these stories and the employee, I almost use that word loosely, um, at v and Health would have gotten just as much out of the experience and the care that they gave that you realize the passion comes through in what they give, and that to me is just priceless. So um, thank you. Thank you for all that you and VNA Health do for all of us. And thank and you to our
1: staff. And your staff,
0: yeah. yes, the angels that come and take care of all of us. So mm-hmm. we appreciate all of them and everything that you guys do for
1: us. Well, thanks, Michelle. We do miss you.
0: I know. I miss you guys, too. Um, But I'm always there. I'm always rooting for you and advocating for you. And I know that you are there when I need you.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Linda. Thank you.